It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your good podcast from this morning. And it is a good morning, isn't it? Friday has turned up, the weekend is nearly here, and it is the 9th of June for 2020. 23. And coming up this morning, we are off across the Tasman to Wellington and to have a look at the NZ conditions there. And in particular, because New Zealand is running ahead of the Australian economy, let's see if we can get ahead and find out any trends that might be developing in New Zealand, which might be beneficial to us in Australia. Now, they had another rate rise in NZ last week. In fact it's been quite brutal with the Reserve Bank there and what has happened to the mortgage holders. So let's take you to Andrew Schultz from Sense Partners in Wellington and a very good morning to you Andrew. Welcome to the Real Estate Breakfast this morning. Good morning Craig, how are you? I'm pretty good. So is that a a, a fair comment? Brutal with these rate rises? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of house prices, uh, what they're paying on their mortgage has risen a lot. Sort of at the peak of house prices, we were looking at mortgages uh, fixed one to two years in the 2% range. It's now upwards of 6 or 7%. So it's a massive increase. So where is it at the moment in terms of the cash rate and what did it go up by? How, how many basis points was it last week? Yeah, so in the last week it's gone up from 5.25% to 5.5%, so 25 basis points rise. But the really interesting thing about this is that the Reserve Bank of New Zealand has defied market expectations and has said this is it. Interest rates, they don't think they're going to go up for the next year or longer, and they suspect that they'll stay where they're at for another year. All right, so we'll come back and uh, find out a little bit more with Andrew this morning in terms of what is going on across the Tasman and whether or not any of what is happening there is translatable in Australia. So we're back in just a moment. The skyline is constantly changing, growing and expanding. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. And coming up tomorrow on our Saturday, we are going to be taking you rural and giving you a taste of an opportunity in a place called Tagulawa. Do you know where that is? Tagulawa. If you're in Tagulawa, good morning to you. We're going to be finding out uh, some of the opportunities and you might be quite surprised with some of the pricing and a slice of paradise. I'll ask you this question. How much do you think you would pay for a 24 to 64 hectare property? Because they exist in Tagulawa. So we'll bring you that tomorrow morning. If you're celebrating your birthday for the 9th of June, happy birthday. You're sharing it with Johnny Depp, who's turning 59 today. Natalie Portman, she's turning 41. Michael J. Fox is a fantastic documentary on Apple Plus that I saw the other night. 
all about his Parkinson's disease that he has been battling away with for years. I mean, boy, is he a fighter. And he is turning 61. And Aaron Sorkin, the screenwriter and director, he's turning 61 as well. It's the main Centre forecast. All right, let's head around the country and find out what's happening on our Friday on the weather stakes. And in Sydney today, pretty good news. Sunshine and a top for you of 21 degrees. In Melbourne, the showers are going to ease and your high of 15. Brisbane expecting mainly fine. 25 is your forecast top. And in Perth today, you'll get the dry patches and a chance of some showers and your high for your Friday is 19. Every morning from 6am across Australia we deliver you the latest property news, commentary and predictions from Perth to Cairns and from Melbourne to Brisbane seven days a week, only on The Real Estate Podcast. And we are back with Andrew Schultz from Sense Partners in Wellington this morning and Andrew the Reserve Bank. So they're saying that the cash rate has peaked and inflation is coming down. Is that sort of shared with the economists in New Zealand? Like, is the Reserve Bank uh, feeling a little bit optimistic? Definitely a lot of economists were expecting a slightly higher OCR peak around the 6% mark. So it's a little surprising, and I think a lot of economists who who sort of uh, gaze into the crystal ball are a little suspicious, but the Reserve Bank is probably being a little bit cautious, particularly in New Zealand, a lot of people on fixed-term mortgages. So there is quite a lag between rises in the OCR and increases in what people actually pay. So I think they're trying to anticipate those changes rather than keep going with the OCR until inflation starts coming down because if they do that, they've probably overcooked it. Okay, and let's have a look at the the house prices because it's predicted the housing market is going to drop until the end of next year, I think is what they're saying, reaching around 21% drop. Now, that is below peak prices in November of 2021. Correct, yeah. Um, so, I mean, median house prices in Auckland are almost down 23%. Um, it's a lot less in wider New Zealand. But actually, the expectation now is that those price falls are probably almost coming to an end where we're at or we're very near the bottom of the market. Um, and there's, there's two broad reasons why that is. One is the Reserve Bank is pretty clearly signalling that borrowing costs aren't going to increase. Um, there's also an expectation that actually over possibly two to three years, they're going to start coming down. So it's cheaper to get a three-year mor- mortgage than it is to get a one-year mortgage uh, fixed term. Uh, and this is kind of a, a market signal that prices are probably going to come down. Second of all, we've just had data come out from Statistics New Zealand that we've had a net gain of 65,500 people in the year to March, second highest on record uh, since the 70s. It is provisional data, so it might get revised, but it is nevertheless a very high reading. Uh, all these people, they're going to need somewhere to live. 
they're going to need uh, a roof over their heads. So an increase in necessary demand paired with a cap and then potentially a fall off in borrowing costs is going to help sustain house prices. Is that going to be a bit of a pressure cooker, though, on the housing market? As you say, it's the largest net gain of people into New Zealand since the 1970s. And I recall seeing somewhere that there were some planning law changes that were coming up, which I think was to do with intensification, allowing people to build a little bit higher. So what's going on in that sort of space? Yeah, so we've had two tranches of big reforms, both of which allow a lot more building in a lot more areas across the entire country, all major cities, different types of um, regulations. You can now build three stories on almost any residential plot, six stories around transit. It's, It's a big impact. And we know from past experience what this means. In 2016, Auckland City implemented a similar sort of upzoning. About three quarters of all residential land in the city were upzoned. You could build higher, you could build close to the boundary. And promptly, median house prices flatlined, and they flatlined right up until COVID. And this is in the context of substantial increases in the population. So essentially, the supply of housing was better able to respond to demand. And as a result, that demand didn't translate into higher prices. Now, these weren't uh, these regulations weren't expanded at that time to the rest of the country. And subsequently, prices in the rest of the country rose some 26% over a few years. Uh, but this tranche of reforms that we've had now, it applies everywhere. And it's a lot more than what Auckland did in 2016. You know, you've got on the one hand high migration, potential cap and borrowing costs that's going to push up demand, but we've just had this massive structural shift in supply and it's going to be better able to respond to demand by building more houses rather than increasing house prices. And of course, the high construction costs, now they are still there in the market. The other thing that has happened, unfortunately, in New Zealand is the flooding and this massive landslip damage. Now, we know that there was massive landslip on the east coast around Gisborne and also Auckland. So how is that all going to sort of be factored in with the economy and the amount of money? money in terms of rebuilding all of that back. So the um, exact size of the damage is yet to be known, particularly in the Hawke's Bay and Gisborne region, the big horticultural areas, kiwi fruit, apples, wine. This will have a pretty severe impact on exports. A lot of those orchards were just wiped out. In the short term, we'd expect to see an increase in government investment. It sort of might offset the macroeconomic effect, um, although it certainly won't go far to offsetting the human cost of these disasters. I think the um, the outlook is for the country as a whole is probably positive when we consider that the government investment is going to pick up the slack. And just on the back of that, is there talk that the government is going to look at rezoning areas? Because one of the problems, of course, with global warming 
is low-lying, susceptible to flooding. So in that whole space, I mean, it's a massive headache for central government to try and get their head, head around that as well as local government as well. But what a nightmare that's going to be because we're heading into winter. Absolutely. With the the easing of supply constraints, with the easing of planning laws, it's true that people are going to be able to build in areas that are prone to floods, but they're also going to be able to build in areas not prone to floods. And of course, the insurance premiums in flood prone areas are going to go through the roof. And so without government intervention, a lot of construction is going to naturally be directed towards the higher ground, which is a good thing. But there still needs to be a big government effort, central government and local government, to ensure that the infrastructure is in place where it's needed on the higher ground. And of course, looking at how do you manage rainfall in a big city? Areas of Auckland that had passive, you know, were hydraulically neutral where you have sort of overflow ponds and stuff that can actually absorb the water, they've tended to fare a lot better than other areas of the city. So there's going to be a mixture of moving people to the high ground, but also managing the flood-prone areas in a much better way. All right, so lots to sort of think about there, especially over the next two, three, four years in New Zealand. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on to the Real Estate Breakfast this morning and uh, giving us a bit of an update in terms of what is happening there. All my pleasure. Thanks very much, Craig. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 